Let's get real. Who wants to have another surface level conversation? Not us. I'm Samantha. And I'm Christian. Two friends having raw but truth-filled conversations about the messiness of life. So buckle up and don't be shy. Because, yep, we're We're going going there. there. Hello. Back on the mics again today. Just Christian and I. Back on the mics. What is up going there, girlies? Guys, Samantha has the funniest story to share with us today. Oh, we're jumping right in. So we're jumping right in because I'm still laughing about it and your nose may still be burning. Who knows? Okay, wait. Before I say that, I'm staring at your knee. Is that your ACL scar? Yeah. I have never in our like nine years of friendship ever noticed it really did you do tanner are you so did yes you i did just self tan last it night it must be something like that like i've literally never i knew you had that surgery like i remember yeah. i didn't know you super well when you had it but i remember when you had that surgery the worst they did the patellar tendon so it's a little longer of an incision but it's only one where most people have two or three yeah I opted for the one incision. It is such a like common surgery. Oh yeah. It happens okay. all the time. That is so weird. I just am like, is that a shadow on your knee? That is a scar. No, wow. that is okay. it. And it is still kind of like numb, like all around here. Like I don't have yeah, feeling I mean, all through here. I don't have feeling on all my foot scars from my foot surgeries. Like you can't feel any of that. It's because like so scar weird. tissue and stuff. Kind of just weird though. It is weird. It feels weird because you can feel the pressure, but you can't like feel. Yeah. Like Emerson sometimes will tickle my foot on a scar and I hate it because I don't like the way that feels. Yeah. The only thing people ever ask me like, hey, how was the surgery? I'm like, it was fine. I think the hardest thing about it is now crawling around on the floor with kids Mm -hmm. because it has that like weird sensation. Sensation. It actually really hurts to crawl on the floor. And like I wouldn't ever do that until I had toddlers. Right. I'm like playing yeah you know. okay but before we came on we were talking about how it's christian's daughter's third birthday oh yeah. my gosh I can't believe she's three today and how you guys went to waffle house this morning long story short your husband like choked on this waffle he's like puking out in the parking lot it was very dramatic everyone but it was honestly really scary but kind of funny yeah so we were but, like, talking kind of with our producer and videographer girl like right before we started this about like funny choking stories and I was telling her I swore I told you but I guess I told like Justin or something definitely did not this <laughs> happened to me about a month ago let me set the scene it's nap time my daughter's at camp or somewhere else it's just my baby sleeping and if you're a mom you know that like your day's been crazy. They go to sleep and you're you about to eat. You just are hangry. Yeah, you just you're need to hangry. grab some food real fast. Yeah, I'm like, okay, I can like eat in peace. I've got my you music on. You almost sometimes are eating like that. And you're like, if anyone else saw me eating this rabbit, like freaking yeah, pig. Like- <laughs> I'm a pig. People are like, what is happening? And sometimes I'm just like, wow, I'm so glad someone's not watching me. Like shoving me. my yes, face. Yes. Okay. So I'm already laughing. Guys. I buy these Applegate turkey pepperonis. They're my favorite. I like snack on them. Sometimes I'll eat them with like cheese for my lunch. My baby eats them, whatever. I grab like a fistful, honestly. I can't even say a handful, like a fistful of them from the package. And I'm eating like ravenously. And I stack them up and I just take like a That's huge bite. That's the best like, part. Bite. You stacked them up. Well, they kind of come in clumps like that. So yeah. like I think I just grabbed a big chunk of them. Okay. Tiny bits of pieces of pepperoni are floating in my mouth. I do like a cough and I suck (gasps) accidentally (laughs) a bunch of tiny pieces of pepperoni in what I now know was my nasal cavity. But I thought I'm like choking. So I literally have to run over to the sink and I'm like choking, coughing it up. Some pieces come out in the sink, but the others, I'm like, oh my gosh, I finally catch my breath. I was like, am I about to choke here alone? I drink a bunch of water. You know, my throat is on fire. You're like almost panicking. Because like I'm when panicking. you're coughing like that, you're like, oh my gosh, something's really wrong. Some and you're comes alone. out. Some yeah. comes out. But then I'm still like, I'm still kind of coughing a lot. I feel like something's caught in my throat. I'm coughing. I'm coughing. I'm drinking water. I'm coughing. I'm swallowing. I'm trying to remove this feeling. And I'm like, 
okay, maybe I just like burned, rubbed my throat raw from the spices from of the, the pepperoni. pepperoni. <laughs> Darn Applegate. Yeah. I'm like, oh my gosh, I guess I just like rubbed myself raw there. <laughs> <laughs> my throat raw. So I'm like going about my afternoon. I'm like, it's like 10 minutes later and it still doesn't feel right. Like my nasal cavity, like the, just think if you could reach the furthest steps of the back of your throat feels so like raw. Yeah. Actually terrible. Like, like guys, I can't stop laughing. I'm like, it's so bad. So I feel a big sneeze coming on, like a huge sneeze. So I'm like, <gasps> achoo. And as soon as I achoo, probably like seven tiny pieces of pepperoni fly out of my nose onto the counter. That's what happened. It came out so through my nose. Pepperoni stuck in her nose. Yeah. And that is what I was like, how long did this bother you? Because that's a like long really time. sensitive. And it was such a relief once it did, because that's what was feeling like it was burning. Well, and me. then what was our what was our realization afterwards? We were like just that it's all connected and like how food really can go. It's like the whole milk comes out of your nose. Yeah. I had really been chewing the pepperoni. So like they were tiny bites. Yeah. That is sick that I ate that much that I literally caused myself to choke. Well, but we were talking about, we were like, honestly, go God, because so <laughs> cool. Gosh. Well, like, because he makes our bodies, like, your body literally was like, I need to sneeze because mm-hmm. I have something caught in my nose. And so literally your body worked up the energy to be like, I'm going to sneeze this out. Yep. You sneeze out the pepperonis. Also, obviously, choking is like a serious thing. Yeah. It cannot go well. And I'm like, how amazing is that God created our bodies with two different outlets yes. or outputs? Yeah. Because if it can't go down, yeah. it's got to come out. Yeah. It's I mean, crazy. look at that. It's crazy. So if you have a crazy choking story, write in, DM us. Also, or the next time you're eating your Applegate turkey pepperonis. Just be careful. Chew them up. I'm going to order those now. Like, it's going to be our new thing. You know how it was like Sonic drinks. Now our new going those there food so is going to be pepperonis. Pepperonis. I love pepperoni. As you're talking too, I just noticed you have like a mixture. You're doing like the one finger different. Co- Wait, no, hold on. Hold them up. Is it just two fingers different colors? Guys, 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 guys. Okay. If you have Wait, not heard what? Christian's saga, you've not seen these nails. We've not talked about these no. nails. Okay, guys. Saga of Christian's Wait, nails. She has her is... thumb and her pointer as two different colors and the rest of her fingers. Yep. Okay. So Tell. I started probably at the new year. I started doing press on nails. Yes. It sounds really janky. I actually think they're no, very they legit. they look legit. And they stay on my hands for like two weeks. That is not everyone else's experience. But all of in June, I have a theory of how you have to apply them to make them stay this long. But like through all of my I've washing dishes, try. kid, you know, dirty diapers, like all the things, bath time, they stay on me for like two plus weeks. And so I love them. They're $10. So you just buy different sets. You can't really be like, oh, I want to do a this color this time. You just got to like pick the design that they have. Um, I mean, because they only have like 10 designs at one can time. Can you order Olive and June online? You can, but I never do that because I'm like never like thinking forward enough. Yeah. yeah. So just run into the store. So I wear a length medium. You can get all different lengths, but I wear a length medium. And so I know they like the shape on my nail best. The only ones available to me, I went to three different stores. I went to Walmart, Target, and Walgreens, which are the three places in our town that I can buy them. And I couldn't find any design in medium. Do they sell and so them I was like, maybe I should Ulta? get them. I don't know. I should. They could. Okay. I was like, I'll just get short this time. But I was like, I really don't like that length on me. I really want medium. So I got this package and there's like two different tones in the package. So it's like a nude and it's like a metallic nude, I guess. And they have all different. And I was like, okay, well, maybe I can just do the like, you know, middle finger and thumb, like a different yeah, color. Like, I've seen that. You know, like yeah. it's weird, but I was like, whatever. It'll yeah. be fine. Well, like there's certain sizes that fit on your nails. 
And so you go through the whole pack and there's only two of each size. And so you match the size to your nails. So like I know my sizing on yeah. my nails. And so I'm going through and I'm like, well, darn it. The only two that are metallic are my pointer and thumb. I'm like, I've just, it's not something I would expect from you. I just like, you were talking with your hands and I'm like, what but maybe I'm starting nail? to, everyone has thought that they're like, oh, you only did your pointer. Cause that's a different kind color. of a normal trend. And then no, it's the pointer and the thumb. It's, it's but I was unique. like, I'm going to go for that. They fit to my nails best. And the design's a little funky. Well, honestly, it's honestly I've kind seen... of grown on me. Yeah. Alex Moore at first was like dying laughing about it. And then at the end of the night, when I first put them on, she was like, I actually love it. She was like, I think you're going to start a new trend. I'm like, I don't. But I don't, but maybe it'll grow on me. Maybe but by the end of this podcast, you'll be like, I, I love will it. say I haven't noticed it. And I've seen you this week. So that's good. Yeah. I mean, this has been on for a week and a half, two weeks oh, almost. Wow. That's a crazy. Long time. That's crazy. I almost changed them. I'm traveling that's this weekend. Funny. And I almost changed them because I was like, this is embarrassing. But. Anyways, I didn't. Okay, so, so let's jump into our yep. episode. Everyone's like, how long are we going to blab? No, people like the blabbing. Some people. We just did our little social media check-in last week, and I shared my personal experience. We still need to decide when you're going to take your break. I know. I've been thinking about it. Because by the time you guys are hearing this, everyone go bombard Christian's Instagram bombard me. and say, when are you taking your social media break? Get off of here. Get out. Just kidding. I have a date in mind, but I don't want to say it here because I don't want everyone to bombard me and attack me if I don't do that because I'm still oh. thinking through it. Okay, okay, okay. Anyways, so you just heard that last week by the time this comes out. This week, we kind of off the coattails of that. We were like, if you're checking in on yourself and your habits with social media, it's really a good thing to check in on your spiritual life in general. I wanted to share this before we jump in. Something happened to me recently and it's just like, well, duh. But seriously, sometimes I think we have to consciously think about these things. I was kind of going through what my fall was going to look like. And I realized that there were a couple of like reoccurring appointments or things like I'll just be like one's like a chiropractor, one that I go to once a month. And one was like these workouts that I do. And they're like in the morning before my kids get up with a trainer. They're the same time every week. But something I was noticing that was happening a lot, like if you have sick kids or if I'm out of town for a week, there was always just this like reshuffling of appointments and like what time would work and should I get a babysitter for that one next week and all these things to try to like make up my missed sessions or like... I know it sounds crazy, but like getting to the chiropractor once a month, it's like, okay, well, I only have babysitters this time. Oh, well, the doctor's not in this time or whatever. I was, and I'm not really like needing that anymore. I was just feeling overwhelmed by the amount of mental space sometimes our schedules can take up. And I'm in this mode of like trying to simplify my schedule as I go into the fall, whatever. And I decided that I wanted to take those two things off my calendar. And it was crazy how once I like told my trainer, I have my last one on this coming Monday, like when I told him I was going to be done, it really did take kind of a weight off. It was like nice to know, okay, I'm done doing that for now. Sounds so dumb because it's like tiny little things. But what I said to him, I was like, it's so interesting. Sometimes you just think something's working because it's habit and routine. But it took me like stepping back and reevaluating to think that's actually not been working for our family. Like sometimes James wakes up and I'm like rushing out the door, leaving Justin to get Emerson ready for school and him like crying. Like it's just not been working, but it's just been like we've been doing it because it's routine. So with our spiritual life, I think it's really good to sometimes take stock at like, how are things going? Where could I make adjustments? And am I actually aligning my habits and my routines with what I'm saying I want out of life in my walk with God? Mm -hmm. I remember it was revolutionary for me, even just as you're saying that. Someone asked me that in business. It was early on in my career. It was just things that I was kind of making decisions about 
job changes, things in our life. And someone just asked, like, we should be people. He wasn't even talking as Christians necessarily. He was just saying, like, we should be people who are able to step back from situations and say, is this working or not? Is this working for you or not? Because I think all of us, we can look at if that's relationships or jobs or routines or just habits we have. And if we actually ask ourselves a question, I think it's normally pretty easy to answer because you can say like, oh, it's not. I've just never sat back and asked myself that. And so Andrew and I will often ask each other that just in things. We're just like, is that working for you? Even in just like maybe we're arguing and it's like how we're communicating back and forth. And it's like, is this working for us? No. Like we've got to figure out a different way to communicate. Or is this working how we're parenting our son through his like when he has a total fit. No, it's not working. We've got to go like back to the drawing board and figure it out. And so I think in other areas of life, it's really easy to implement those things of like, oh, no, duh, I would want to the best thing there. But sometimes we don't actually take the time to do that with our spiritual life. And so we wanted to take the time this morning, even just like for ourselves, it was really fun to prep for this episode for myself because it was awesome, like even coming off of our social media conversation to say, hey, going into the fall, it kind of feels like the cliche reset. But I think our God is purposeful in his design. And I think it's really fun when we change seasons. We've talked about this in episodes around the new year. Yeah, those can feel cliche, but it's also can be a reset. And it can be a way that we really reset our hearts and minds to say like, am I doing what is working? Am I doing things that are bettering myself? And so spiritually, kind of taking what we want to call like a spiritual well check. I was even thinking like, why do we do well checks? I have my well checks for my kids here in a few weeks. And I was thinking, okay, like, what's the point of a well check? Even when you look up the definition, it's like, it's a preventative check to make sure like you are maintaining wellness and health and you're stopping a problem before it starts. And I'm like, great. So let's do that spiritually of where we are in our head and hearts and how we're pursuing our relationship with Jesus. That's good too, because when you were just explaining, like my husband and I do that a lot with things that come to a head really quickly. So we're actually kind of reworking like some bedtime stuff with our daughter right now as she started kindergarten, been more tired, like some things are just not working for us. So we're going back to the drawing board or same with like fighting. Sometimes that's easier to have to reevaluate when you're like feeling the effects of it. As I was thinking through the spiritual thing, it's like, well, there's actually some signs and we'll talk about it later that I have now recognized in my life that I can tell I'm not doing well spiritually. But unless we like learn to recognize those things, like name them, list them out, recognize them, then they're just really easy to keep like piling on top of or say, well, I'm just really stressed in this season or I'm just really too busy to prioritize that or make that work. That's why I'm acting like this or that's why I'm feeling distant from God. We can kind of make excuses with our spiritual life because you can't see sometimes the tangible effects of it until you're in a really bad place. It's interesting. You were talking about the doctor, the well check thing for our kids. I mean, most adults don't really call it like a well check. And most of my friends don't really go see the doctor once a year. Reminder to go do that. Also get your skin checked while you're at it. But something interesting I know for our kids, a lot of times you're kind of in the office and you're not necessarily they're asking you questions like, how is your child doing verbally? Like, what are they saying? This is like for little, little kids. For Emerson's age, it might be like, how are they eating? How are they sleeping? And sometimes I have found myself describing habits in my child's life that I don't realize are like red flags or problems until the doctor points them out. And so we kind of just go along life and we don't really see maybe that we're headed down a path of destruction or that we're really drifting from where we know we want to be unless we have checkpoints. And that's why I do love that there are seasons like 
you know, there's going into the fall, there's the new year, there's kind of transitioning into like a summer routine. Those are always more natural points for me in my life to be like, okay, my schedule's changing and where do I need to reevaluate and realign some things in my life? I think it's convicting too, because you and I have talked about this with like our birthdays or our anniversaries with our husbands. Like those are times that we kind of like sit back and reevaluate things or we reassess things. And I do think it's so interesting. It's convicting for me, even as I was preparing for this episode or we're having the conversation now, is that am I someone who, is I'm working slowly enough that I have the time and the space and the energy and the capacity in my head to like do this. And I think right there, it's an easy, I'm like, no, I don't sit back and reflect on, I mean, this could be a whole other episode and whole other multiple episodes, but you know, I don't sit back enough and give God thanks for just simple things I'm grateful for. Or I don't sit back and say, do I need to reassess how, what my relationships look like right now? Or do I need to reassess how, my temper has been with my kids? Or do I need to reassess how this is working? I don't do that enough because I'm so obsessed with achieving and running at a certain pace. That's like, no one's asking me to do that. That's actual like pride in an issue of my heart and satisfaction and how like I am sinfully seeing my worth in this world where really God is calling us to say like, no, I need you to sit with me. I need you to be with me. The only place that God ever calls us, quote unquote, if you're saying like God's calling me to this, the only place he ever calls us is to himself. And I think we as people want to find that in other things, but really it's just to rest with him. So this is a good habit. If you've never done this before, maybe it feels uncomfortable, but I think we should be people who get really comfortable with it. Yeah. I was even brainstorming. So maybe you're in a small group that you're like, okay, I've just been in this small group. I'm not like trying to promote people to leaving their small group, but maybe you're like in this small group, you're not seeing growth. You don't enjoy going. Maybe there needs to be like a conversation with the small group leader of like, hey, I've noticed that most people aren't making this group a priority anymore. Like how can we work together to change this? Maybe you have just always done this Bible study on Thursday morning, but guess what? you're realizing you only make it to one every six weeks because you're oversleeping or whatever. Maybe that's not a good fit for you. I think it's so healthy to evaluate things in your life. And sometimes the answer to those things are not, oh, let me just find something different and try that. Sometimes the answer is like, oh, I need to reprioritize, realign. There's some checks that I want to talk about later in the episode of like, here's what you need to check in on. Like maybe that is I need to take certain things off my plate so that I'm getting to bed on a time so that I can prioritize this thing that I'm saying is important to me. It's just really good to align some of those things. I'm kind of like chuckling over here because have I ever told you of this certain coworker of mine who one time told me he's like an older man of mine or of mine. Of, <laughs> he's an older, older man, man who I work with. I mean, he's like a 50 year old dad. And he one time we were talking about rest and I was saying how like I just don't sleep enough. And he was like, oh, yeah, me neither. And he has kids. And so we were talking about just like the tensions of like, we feel like sometimes when our kids go to bed, we're like, oh, it's me time. Like I can do something I want to do. And he kind of went on this tangent that he was like a couple years ago. And I've like really tried to adopt this, that he was like, it is good for me to remember that when I go to bed, I can do that actually in a way to worship God and recognize my finiteness in needing to rest that like he does not need to rest, but I need to rest. And so I can actually go to bed at a decent hour being like, no, this is how I'm going to like submit myself to the one who is actually completely holy. And I was like, this is so good. Yeah. So it's a good reminder for me to that rest. That is good. Yeah. And just that we sometimes crave that me time after our kids go to bed as a way to like do stress and relax. And like sometimes for me, that is like getting in bed and it doesn't have to be a worldly way of like controlling how your house feels yep. that night or whatever. But this is another thing I was thinking about. 
how many times do we hear friends say or like how many times do we say, okay, I've been traveling a lot this summer. This is literally me. This is me. I'm sharing from personal experience. I've been eating really unhealthy. I want to reset. So you can do the juice cleanses. Maybe you find a new gym routine or like you go start working out with a new trainer. You're going to start following a new like at-home workout planner. You're going to tell yourself that you're going to like drink all the water or take the walks, whatever. We do that so often when we can see ourselves getting unhealthy in certain ways, but we don't really do that with our spiritual life. So if you say, I want to grow closer to God, I feel like we've been getting a lot of DMs or I've just been personally in a lot of conversations of people saying that they're just really feeling distant from God. Obviously, we know there's a million reasons why the world is capturing our hearts and pulling at them in so many different ways. And we all are recognizing that, but sometimes I think we just sit with that and we don't really do anything. And I'm like, our God is not a God who turns void to us when we ask him for things. We have to sometimes take on the responsibility of saying, okay, God, how can I align my priorities to actually grow closer to you? Because we can sit here and talk all day about how, oh, we should probably go to church more. I should probably read my Bible. But you have to put practices into play to make that happen or it never will. Mm -hmm. It literally reminds me of a conversation I heard the other day. It was on a reel. I think it was Madison Pruitt and someone else may have been JP. I can't remember. But they were having the conversation about marriage and just like it was context of marriage, but in the context of comparing our marriages to our relationship with God. And they were saying like, what would it look like if Obviously, we are now married to our husbands. We love a lot of different things about them. But prior to us getting married to them, we had to learn about them. And so we spent a lot of time with them. And we for sure all could be like, yeah, I would never get married to someone I had like never hung out with or been around before. And I think it was JP or Madison. I can't remember. I could be butchering that. But they were saying like, isn't it funny how in our relationship with God that we accept the idea that like people can talk a lot about him and people can tell you about how great he is and people can tell you like, look at what all that he's done. Think about that with your husband. Like if you had never met Justin before and someone was like, hey, Samantha, let me tell you about this awesome guy. Let me tell you all these amazing things he's done. Let it's me kind tell of like you. an arranged marriage. We are Which- kind of. They say actually works out for some people, but (laughs) But like imagine that with Justin. And so you've never met or actually spent time with him yourself. You're just hearing all these great things about him. Well, you probably wouldn't marry him. Mm -hmm. You'd be like, no, that's craziness. I want to see for myself where that's exactly what we do with God. We will listen to other people about what they say about him. We will listen to all these great things he's done, but we're actually not doing anything to commit to being in a relationship with him. We're not saying, no, I want to give you time. I want to give you energy. When we go back to like the wellness check idea, I started making a list of just kind of like what makes up a healthy Christian. Like if we had to, obviously this list could go on and on, but just some of the things that we can kind of like, again, later in the episode piece apart, maybe some like red flags that if you're not this area of your life is not going well, maybe that's a red flag. Or if you have hesitation or if some of these things are just like hard to talk about or jump into, maybe that's showing you something. But I just kind of want to list out because again, if a well check is how to maintain your like wellness and health or stopping problems before they occur, how can we like describe a healthy Christian? And some of those things I was thinking, okay, they're like peaceful. They are like people full of mercy that healthy Christians live in community with other Christians that healthy Christians live for God's glory, that they're friends of sinners, that they regularly are in the word of God, 
and that they're regularly enjoying and practicing being in God's presence. Like those were just initial things that I'm like, okay, am I doing these things? Am I taking these things into account? And we can piece apart all of those and kind of say, okay, like, am I doing that well? Or do I need to reassess in some of those areas? That's really good. The one that jumped out at me just personally that I've been trying to work on the last few years is just being in the presence of sinners. And I think that I mean, it sounds kind of weird and harsh, but more just thinking of like when I have people in my life, whether it's at my kids preschool or whether it's through the Starbucks drive through, when I encounter people that might not have a personal relationship with Jesus, am I thinking through not in a mechanical, weird Christian, I'm about to like throw the Roman road three step pamphlet at you, but like am I... That's Being, from your Baptist right there. A lot of people are probably like <laughs> nodding along to that right now. Am I thinking through those people as opportunities in a way to show them love or to dive into a deeper relationship? Or am I so focused on like, I really already have my good, strong Christian friends. Like I'm going to just put blinders on and like, I'll be nice and throw a wave here and there, but I don't really care to get to know this people because I think it's easy as Christians. Like we can also swing that way in community. Like, oh, I've got the community down. I don't really need to be around other people or like, that's just really messy and a lot of work to love on my neighbor who honestly, she's wild. We'll probably soon have a whole different discussion about this. But when I thought about that is like, okay, Christians are called to be friends to sinners. What does that look like? And I think a red flag in that area is if I or if you are constantly judging sinners or constantly Honestly, being prideful and just thinking like I am better than you because I have a hope of Jesus and you don't know that. I mean, that sounds so silly to say out loud because I don't think any of us would be like, oh, yeah, I consciously think that about people who don't know Jesus. But I think like if I'm being vulnerable, there are plenty of times that I will look at someone else's lifestyle who does not follow Jesus, doesn't even know Jesus. I don't know if they've never had the opportunity to hear of the gospel story, but my first like cast towards them is judgment or pride, thinking I'm better than you or like, wow, you don't know any better. And I think that should be a red flag to us is like, am I someone who is inviting and engaging with people who don't know Jesus in a way that expresses love and care for them because God created them and God loves and cares for them. Yeah. And we also, in the way we can do that is we set expectations on them or we think like, oh my gosh, I can't believe they responded that way. But what we're really doing is like setting the expectation that they would respond in a God honoring way to a person who doesn't know him yet. I wanted to go through my four things and we can talk more in detail about them. My four checkpoints that I've kind of done. I actually learned this like years ago in college from a mentor, but four things that I look at in my life and say, okay, where is it? Where am I healthy or unhealthy in that? And the first one is community. And since we're talking about it, I thought we could jump in because as we were saying that, I also have seen some people go down the other path where maybe you meet a new group of friends and you that feels really good and that feels great. And maybe they're open to their faith, but maybe you're the strongest believer in that friend group. And that group becomes your soul community. I think that can be really dangerous because we've talked about this in like who your friends are, who you're surrounded by. You have to look at your community and say, okay, not only is it important that I have community, but who is my community? Who am I letting speak into my life? I am not kidding. I have seen so many people. It's like the old playground saying that our parents told us, like, you are who, what's the saying? You, you are, are who you're around or yeah, you are like, who you spend their time you are with. Or, who your friends are. And yep. even more, I think they've done research studies like that you become 
more similar to the five closest people in your life. I mean, I'm sure if we actually evaluated, there's things that from one another that we've adopted over the years of like mannerisms or ideas or like even just little things like foods that we like or try because we're just like you surround yourself with these people and you really do become like them. It's actually so scary. And so I think the flip side of that is like you have to be so guarded with just like where you're getting your input, who you're spending more time with. Like I want to spend more of my time with people who are pushing me closer to God. That doesn't mean I don't spend any time with other people, but I want that to be where I am being pushed because it influences so much more than we think. So I think that's a really big thing is like, Who's your community? I was going to say, again, here on the Going There podcast, we love to talk about the tension of how this is hard. Because I think if you're listening to this right now, you could be like, wait, girls, you just talked about being friends with sinners. And now you're talking about, wait, don't get too close and don't let all of that influence. And I think that is the actual tension, though, is that, I mean, if we are to become more like Jesus, we see in his walk here on earth that he was really close with a lot of different kinds of people, but he spent the majority of his time with his disciples, knowing that these are the people who I am most closely influencing because how he built his church was I'm going to disciple to these 12 people, these 12 people I'm calling you and I'm casting you out to all these other nations to then also share this word. And you're going to do that from there. And so Jesus himself is an example for us that we are easily influenced by the people we are around. I mean, you think about the conversations you have in your communities that it's easy to go down, even if it's just surface level conversation, you don't know how, oh, so-and-so is talking in their marriage or so-and-so is talking to their kids. And then you go home and you're like, wait, why are my husband and I being rude to each other? Like that just rubbed off on me because that was just like normal. And I think we have to be guarded people in a way to say like, I'm not better than anyone who is not going to be influenced. I myself am going to be influenced too. And so keeping guard and just maybe like even somehow staying kind of keeping pulse on am I being influenced in a better way to become more Christ-like or am I being influenced maybe not and how can I change or how can I navigate those relationships because it's going to look messy or hard sometimes. It's interesting because I was talking to someone at my gym today about actually my trainer and I had a family member going through a hard time recently we were just talking about how This is going to seem like one of those dumb moments, but I think we all need to really think about this. Like when you are going throughout life and you're having good days and life is going fine and you're just having fun with certain surface level friends and you're like, yeah, we don't really go deep, but like everything's fine. I kind of live in my own bubble. They live in theirs and we have a good time on the weekends or whatever. That's fine when things are going well. But then the second things or not well, you get the bad news, you go through tragedy, something really hard hits, that's when you need really strong community. And that has just been so obvious to me the past few weeks of like, this is why we put in the effort. This is why we're vulnerable. This is why sometimes it feels really hard to live alongside people that, you know, we have to have a card conversations or we fight through the things that they do to upset us. And we don't like ditch them as our friend. We push on because I need that person right next to me the day that I need a friend, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think it's that's why it's so important. And even on the flip side of that, you and I were having that same conversation about just how important community is. And even maybe you are hearing this kind of sitting on the other side of things saying like, I don't really need friends. Like I have Jesus and I don't really need friends. Like I'm an introvert. That's not really how I get filled up. They're like, again, what we see in Jesus is like, we're not called to live in isolation. We're not called to live alone. We are called to live among and alongside other people and alongside other believers. And so 
even in that way, maybe it does feel just mundane. We're talking about that in our marriages of like, what a blessing it is that we have the foresight to see, like, we're going to go on that date night, even though we don't really feel like we quote unquote oh, need yeah. it, we were just but it like that. pays off yeah. because then my what husband is our are going Alex through a really say? hard thing. You're putting money in a yeah. bank or yeah. like you're putting depositing into deposits your Deposits into bank. the bank. Yeah. And I think in the same way, we have to be people who live in community in that way too. Maybe I don't feel like, again, there's tension in that because we're also preaching like it's good to rest. But I think you also, if you are one who normally says, no, I don't want to do that thing with people, I think maybe you need to try to push yourself a little bit because I think in the same way, it's worth it putting in the time so that you do have that built community who's going to push and encourage and love you when like things are really hard. And you just said exactly what the whole point of this episode is, that this is a personal check for you. You need to evaluate your tendencies, where you are and what you need, and then act accordingly. If you're someone who's always hanging out and always running and thinks that you need a million best friends and trying to be everything to everyone, this is the season for you to pull back. If you're someone who has been reclusive, been secluded, and you're sitting feeling alone and wondering who would really be there for you if you needed it, this is where you need to step out. These are all on a scale. You have to look and see where you need to grow or where you need to pull back. Okay, the second one for me is accountability. And this to me means who do I have in my life right now that if I was going off the rails would feel like they have the authority to speak into my life? And this also includes like mentorship. So is there anyone in my life am I learning from? I think back in the day, it would to me have looked like a really structured like mentor discipleship type relationship. I think I've opened my mind to thinking like that's not how it is in every season. It could be a women's Bible study leader that I'm going to every week that I really feel like I can learn from. It can be an older neighbor mom of mine that I'm just really wanting to soak up information from. Or it could be a more structured, like I I have this older lady that's discipling me. We meet every Thursday, whatever. Do I have that at all? Do I have friends that step in and have told me hard things? If not, I'm like, oh, I need to like get back to something like that. Mm-hmm. I'm looking at my notes thinking, okay, literally what I have written down is how have I responded recently when someone calls something up that I need to work mm-hmm. on? Am I defensive, prideful, humble, or like loving towards them in my response? I think that's my checkpoint of like, how am I responding when someone calls me out? Because like you said, you could have a mentor in your life that's a really structured kind of like partnership and agreement. You could have just close friends. But when people call you out, this could be your husband. Maybe you're in a season where like you just moved to a new town and like literally the only person you know is your spouse or just one friend. Your mom. Yeah, your mom. And I'm thinking of that person to say like, when was the last time someone called you out of something you maybe need to work on or just even asked you a question that was maybe hard or just like, hey, what are your thoughts on why you made that decision? If someone's ever asked you that, how did you respond? Did you respond in a defensive way, a prideful way, a humble way or a loving way? Like, I think that is a really good check to say, where's my heart at? Am I willing to constantly be refined and be getting better? Iron sharpens iron. Or am I really prideful? And am I really defensive? And actually, I hate when people call me out because I think my way is the best way. Yeah. I think, like you just said, when I respond that way, there's usually some other things going on in my heart that are causing me to act out of that. And so, like you said, perfect indicator, something is like off here. I need to figure this out. We all need accountability, people. Yeah, (laughs) it's good. Okay. My next one was discipline slash prioritization. And we kind of talked about this, but this is big for me because it's like, we are such people that talk about it, talk about it, talk about it. This is Justin. Talk about it, talk about it, talk about it, talk about it. Okay. It just went perfect. That's a good one. I'm sorry. 
Justin has been saying to me a lot recently, don't talk about it, be about it. And I'm like, this is becoming comical. It's such a good quote, though. It's like we just talk and talk and talk and talk and post and post and post and post about these things. And then we're not doing anything about it. And so this is what I was talking about at the beginning of the episode. Like you're feeling lonelier, anxious, more anxious, more whatever than ever, but you're sitting at home on Sunday morning and telling yourself that you can watch church from TV and that can be enough for you. Okay, I said it. It's good. Get to church. Like, I'm saying this to myself too. We're making excuses for behaviors, but then what we're saying in conversation is like, I'm so lonely. I'm feeling so disconnected from God, but you're not signing up for the Bible study because you're just so overwhelmed with all these other commitments you have to the PTO and to the X, Y, and Z. It's like, we've got to sit and reevaluate our priorities. I heard someone say this yesterday. It was so good. Like someone very wise in my life that I love and look up to dearly. She was saying how she is a friend. This kind of goes back to the accountability thing too. She was talking through plans for next week. And this friend was like, you know what? You told me three months ago that you are so busy and that all you need right now is to really slow down, that you really need to get diligent about reprioritizing some things and slow down your life. But every time I've called you in the past three weeks, you've told me you can only talk for five minutes, you're running to the next thing, or you won't make it to this because you have that and how you're so running, running, running. I think you need to rest. You told me this three months ago, but you're not doing anything to get to where you want to be. And I was like, that is so good because how often do we do that? And that also goes back to the accountability of like, what's your response when that person says that? Because she's coming in straight saying like, you said this, you told me you were overwhelmed, Mm -hmm. but now I'm seeing this result in your life. So this is not working. And she literally said, oh my gosh, you're so right. What am I thinking? It's like when we say, I really need to eat clean as we're like going through the Wendy's drive-through or whatever. I need to, whatever. That's a bad example, but you know what I mean? Like talk about it. Don't be about it. And there's grace in that. Like you're not going to be perfect. Be in about all it. Of don't those... talk about it, but it's okay. Sorry. What did I say? Oh, Justin, she's messing it up. You know, there's got to be grace in that too. I'm not sitting here saying you need to be perfect at it. But if you find yourself missing church every single Sunday, but you're going out late with friends on Saturday night, maybe you're not even doing anything like wrong or simple, but you're just like really needing to rest on Sunday. Hello. Like maybe you need to say, no, I'm going to be home by 10 p.m. at the latest on Saturday so I can feel ready to go to church on Sunday morning. Or even following up from our social media episode, if you keep saying like, I want to read my Bible more, I have no time, but you don't have timer set on your social media or phone like screen time I don't know what you were doing like or I don't know what we're thinking trusting ignore to those every day yeah I mean I'm like either way I'm like we all know we have time we all know that we do have margin because we do have times where we just sit there and we're like I just need to veg out and whatever you mean by the vegging out we could be filling our minds with something that is like true and good and like living words from the creator and I think we just make a lot of excuses for those things when really we have to be people of action. We're seeing it because we're involved in our local church, Christians on staff there. We're going to do a whole episode about this in our fall series, so I'm not going to go too far into it. But there is actual data coming out now about people who kind of just stopped going to church in 2020. And obviously, a lot of us had to for a while, but then just like didn't come back. And whether that's you reevaluating like where you want to be at church or whatever, It's not an option to not be involved in a local church. 
even if you've been burned by it, even if you think that they're run really poorly and that American Christianity has just distorted the view of what church is supposed to be like, it doesn't matter that you think that you're called to be a part of it. Is that bad? That is why you look at me like that. It's great. I mean, you have to be in it, like find a church that you most closely align with, you will never find a church that you 100% agree with all the principles, but find a place that you are actively growing. Quit looking at every church community as your job to go in with a checklist and make sure it's perfect and make sure that Susie Joe, Sue, Lee, whatever, sitting down the road from you, she told off the Starbucks counter lady. So now you can't go to that church because they have people at that church that aren't perfect. It's like, we got to just go to church. Well, I feel like, yeah, I mean, we're like approaching on. I feel like I'm kind of like the repeating record over here. But again, I think if we're going to live lives according to how scripture describes that, we see examples of church all throughout the Bible, of people gathering together to worship God and learn more about him. In all of those examples, they're really messy. They are not perfect at all. I will tell you that. Read all the letters. I was going to say, there are books and books and books and pages and pages of pages of letters to these churches saying like, you're doing it all wrong. Like you are not doing this correctly. And so if you're going to a church expecting like, this is going to be perfect and they're going to meet my every expectation and people are never going to screw up and they're never going to hurt my feelings and they're going to say exactly what I think they need to say, then we've got it all wrong because that's actually not what we see. It's never what we've seen from human beings. No one is perfect other than God himself. And so like, I just don't know why we keep expecting that from people and organizations that are obviously messy. I think because we get so, like I said, out of touch with what scripture teaches us, which is exactly that, that churches are built for messy people, but God calls us to be a part of them. I just think it's important because it's, I think, a really big epidemic in Christian community in the world right now of people just thinking, I can get what I need from the Bible verses I like on Instagram. I can get what I need from watching a random church on a Sunday morning on my TV screen. I can get what I need from listening to a Christian podcast. It's like, no, you can't. Mm -hmm. God wants us to be at church. Yep. Wait, so I have two more things that I wanted to go through. So I thought one of the really good ways that I asked myself or just I think that we need to have a pulse on and check ourselves of is, am I living a life that is glorifying to God? And what I think that means is that when we see sin in our life or other people's lives or in the world, do we have a distaste for that or we really don't think it's that big of a deal? And I mean, I think we first have to start personally because there's billions of things that I think for myself, I overlook. And for myself, I say, it's really not that big of a deal, but I will then cast judgment or for sure judge others. Do you think billions? Billions. (laughs) Hundreds, maybe. (laughs) Tens of, tens of a lot. I don't know. (laughs) Sorry. But yeah, I'm just like, as people of God, are we saddened and burdened? And do we have distaste for sin? That in our world, that instead of when we hear of sinful things or when we hear of broken things, do we turn on that kind of like in vengeance and we're like, huh, serves them right? Or do we kind of turn and say like, oh, yeah, that's really messy, but that doesn't bother us at all? Like we're numb to it now. We're so desensitized. Yeah, we should be people who are like deeply saddened by sin, that that is the brokenness of this world, that that is people not living in accordance to how God says they are going to be fruitful 
and grow in a fruitful life, that that should make us really sad. None of us should be pleased or just finding satisfaction or just not care about sinful things in life. And I think that's really hard. Well, and I don't think when we say like it should make us really sad, I don't think we see in scripture God asking us to like sit in that sadness and just be like, yes, thank I'm not you saying for you, clarifying. I don't think you need to be like sobbing at any little injustice you hear, but we can take that and we can take it to God in our prayer life too and say, Lord, I am burdened by this just like I know you are, and I'm taking this to you. So we can cast that on to God, too, of saying, like, I recognize that you look down and see this and are saddened by it. And I want to have eyes and a heart that's soft to see that, too, in a world where cynicism is almost praised, where we are desensitized to everything, where everything becomes common and normal because we see so much of the brokenness. Yeah, let us not be people that become hardened to that. Yes. Well, better said. No, I don't want us to all also be, be these women around. that are like moving yes. around and looking at like, woe is me at this world. It's so broken. I'm just going to go home and cry about it. Yeah. No, there has so to be about like everything. There has to be a balance. Yes. Well, and the other one was, are we peace filled people? We hope to have a whole other conversation about this. But are we someone who seeks peace? When people think about us, do they think, oh, that person is someone who exudes peace? They talk about peace, they are peace, they act out of peace? Or are we people who people look to us and they're like, they're constantly anxious and constantly fearful and constantly just worried or concerned about everything in this world? Because we are called to be people of peace. We are called to be people filled with mercy. And I think it's really easy in this culture today to get caught up in talking about every little thing that's happening in our culture. It is overwhelming. It is concerning. We all feel that. We should feel that. But because of Christ, we can lean into being of his character, looking like his character, which is peace-filled. And I think in that too, going back to the community, are we people who seek peace without stopping? Make that we every effort for peace yeah. is what we're called to and do with others. Again, there's so much tension. There's so much kind of like, there's two different sides of that pendulum you can swing on for sure. But we are called to be people who, yeah, pursue every effort to make peace with people. And I think it's just easily looked over. Am I someone who right now, is my soul at peace? Is my mind at peace? Would people say like, oh, yeah, she is a peace filled person or am I someone walking out right now feeling overrun, anxious, fearful, chaotic? I think it's a good checkpoint. Or are you someone that creates a lot of disturbance everywhere you go? Like you're the one in the friend group always rallying everyone up or you kind of just create drama everywhere you go. Like maybe you're a person that needs to look at the way you're outputting too and saying, am I, did I really need to speak up and like cause an argument there? Or would it have been better for me to sit back and let everyone process on their okay, own? Or gossip. Gossip. And yeah, or am I the one, you know, when something happens in my community, am I like so giddy to talk about it, calling up everyone and like wanting to get everyone's opinions and takes on it? Why would we use our time like that? How is that pushing the kingdom forward in any sense of the imagination? Are you a person that you can list multiple people that if you see them in the grocery store, you're like turning the other way because it's awkward? It's like, yes, again, caveat, there are circumstances, there are people where reconciliation cannot happen. For sure, we know that. But overall, are there burdens that you're holding on to? People have done things against you, offended you, and you just can't let it go. Are you someone that's like, hey, I just want to live my life in peace. There are bigger, worse things in the world to worry about than something that that person did that honestly doesn't really affect me. I do not say, I literally, I mean, again, I as we were preparing for this episode, I was literally thinking like, what do I need to ask myself? And this was one of the things, because literally this last week I told you, I remember 
that I literally sat there and I was like, Samantha, I need you to be praying for this because this is what I want to do in this conversation with this person. And that's not right. And I don't even need that satisfaction or vindication or vengeance really with that person. Literally what I wanted to do is like disturb our relationship because I was just like, I want to be proven because right. Because you were feeling disturbed Yeah, because too. I was feeling hurt and I was feeling bothered. But I was like, you know what? No, like what I actually should do is just leave it. And like, I need to be prayerful that like my heart and mind are filled with peace in this because like, I don't want to be, I know that's not their intent. And what I want to do is like, I want to assume that like, I can push for peace. And how I do that is like, I don't need to push their buttons or I don't need to ask that question or I don't need that kind of like vengeance yep. in that conversation. That's and good. that's easier said than done. I don't say that because I did. Yeah. You know, I'm like, look at me. I'm no, perfect. You did that well I say that because yeah. I'm like, no, I need a check on that because I even shared with you all as friends is like, I'm not processing this well. And I see that as like a red flag in my mind and heart right now that I'm like, why am I so bothered by this? And so I think it's really good for us as people to say like, no, am I someone who is peaceful and peace filled in my relationships, like internally and then externally in relationships. That's so good. It's hard. It's really hard. I hope that this conversation can honestly just jog your thoughts. There might be totally other things that are popping. I pray that like, I actually prayed on the way here this morning, the Holy Spirit is going to lead you to things and areas in your life. It's going to be evident. If you take a minute to really process and do an inventory of your life, I don't think God is going to turn void, like I said earlier on that. And I think especially when we ask God, Lord, show me some areas that maybe I'm blind to that I've gone astray to that might not even seem bad to me, but that I know in my heart probably aren't bringing me to a place where I'm able to live in a way that's more glorifying to God or more peaceful or all these other things. So I pray that you're experiencing some of that right now, that you can take some time this week to think through those things and let us know like what you're realizing. We'll post some of these questions, these red flags, checkpoints on our social media to kind of jog your memory again. But hope you guys enjoyed this little spiritual well check and we'll see you next week. Hey, thanks for going there with us. If you loved what you heard, don't forget to follow along with us at Going There, the podcast. And it also means so much to us if you subscribe to our podcast and shared it with a friend. Talk to you soon. Bye.